these first three principles that we looked at that are for us as a church is, is number one, we pray first. Number two, we grow biblically. And number three, we embrace community. Comes out of Acts chapter two and the early church there in Jerusalem. And so we're gonna look at three more principles today. But before we do that, let's pray and then we'll get into God's word this morning. God, we love you because you loved us first. First John tells us. God, we, we know what love is because you demonstrated love for us. And so God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you loved the world so much that you gave your one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And we celebrate that truth, the truth of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, it is our mission and our desire to declare that good news to a world that desperately needs to hear it. So Lord, make us obedient. Give us excitement and passion for the gospel and for the mission. Lord, speak to us today through your word. We thank you that your word is alive that it is active, that it has the power to transform and to change our lives. So we surrender to your word this morning. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're just gonna continue in Acts chapter two, the, these last five verses. Acts 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So we're gonna look at three more principles that come out of that, uh, that passage this morning. But I wanna go back for just a minute uh, to the last principle we talked about last week, which is embracing community. And uh, I, I ran out of time. The, the countdown timer is going this week. So I am watching watching my time, but I ran out of time last week uh, to, to develop that idea a little bit. Um, so this idea of, of embracing community, it says in Acts 2.42 that they were devoted uh, to fellowship, to fellowship. Fellowship is, uh, you know, that's not a word that's used very often. It's a, it's a church word for sure. It's something that we talk about. I mean, we literally have, this is the fellowship hall, right? Uh, it's what we talk about, but this idea of fellowship is this, it's, it's an idea about community, but it goes beyond just hanging out, just, just being together. Um, it is this idea of, of, of sharing, this idea of, um, it, it's, it's a kind of all-encompassing idea of what it means to be one as the body of Christ, that we share in each other's burdens, that we, that we rejoice with those re who rejoice and weep with those who weep, that we, that we give uh, physical and meet physical needs, that we participate in each other's lives, that, that, we are, uh, that we are truly a family. The word, the Greek word uh, for the word fellowship is the word koinonia. 
koinonia, and if you've been around church for a long time, you've probably heard that word before. Koinonia, and it, it's really this, this principle of embracing community. This principle of embracing community. And so before we get into everything else, I, I want to talk about this idea of koinonia. So when it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, that word fellowship is the word koinonia. But I, I want you to see in Scripture the word koinonia is used several other times, and, and it's translated in different ways. So I, I want you to see in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, um, koinonia, it points to this fellowship, this unity, not with each other, but, but with the Father and with the Son. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says this, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This idea of, of embracing community, this idea of fellowship, this idea of koinonia, it goes beyond just our gathering together. It goes beyond just our relationships with one another. It goes beyond just our sharing in each other's lives. It is, it is this holistic picture of unity in the body of Christ, but also with the Godhead as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's this idea of a spiritual family and, and oneness with the Father and the Son. John points to this fellowship together, but also a fellowship that is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Koinonia is beyond just fellowship with each other, but it points to this greater fellowship within the body of Christ with the Father and the Son. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 also uses this idea of fellowship. And here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Again, it's the same word, koinonia, which points back to this idea of fellowship that, that the believers were devoted to in Acts chapter 2. And again, it points to this deeper relationship than just our warm feelings of, of community for each other. It, it, it is this idea that we are joined together in a supernatural way as the body of Christ. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Then we see again another dimension of this idea of fellowship, this idea of koinonia that comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. Peter writes these words, but rejoice to the extent that you partake. And that word partake is the same word koinonia. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. This idea of fellowship or koinonia, it points to our relationship with each other. It points to our relationship with God, the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But it also points to to, to this spiritual reality of not only sharing in our life together, not only sharing in our life with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also sharing in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. 
this idea of fellowship or koinonia is this holistic idea that as the body of Christ, we are joined together. We are joined with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but we are also joined in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I love the way this passage, this verse ends. We, we rejoice that we partake in Christ's suffering so that when his glory is revealed, we can rejoice with exceeding joy. Not only do we share in his sufferings, but we share in his glory as well. This idea of koinonia that we, that we are uh, sharing, that we are um, embracing the, the reality of this, this unity in the body of Christ and in the spirit of God. So I wanted to just kind of give you this bigger picture of what this idea of fellowship means. Uh, we just said in generally embracing community, but it's not just hanging out. It's this deep reality, this deep spiritual reality of community with one another and with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that we truly are the body of Christ, that we are one. And so that takes us to the next principle, which is this, live generously. We said we, we pray first, we grow biblically, we embrace community, but then we live generously. In Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 44, it tells us that the believers were together, they had things in common, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. There was this incredible generosity as people were sharing with each other. They, they were giving to specific needs. And at this time, historically, in the context of this church in Jerusalem, there was persecution that was taking place against the church. We see uh, just a couple chapters later that Stephen, the very first martyr, was killed for his faith, for preaching the gospel. And, and later in Paul's letters to the churches, they're receiving offerings and gifts to take back to the church at Jerusalem because of this persecution that was taking place. People, uh, the, the Roman government was coming in and taking people's property and take, taking lives. The, the church was being persecuted by uh, religious leaders in this time. And, and so uh, the church in Jerusalem came alongside to help and to encourage and to support. And they did it in this incredibly generous, radical way. But it comes out of this idea of koinonia, it comes out of this idea of this, this kind of radical community and, and, and fellowship with one another. And it goes beyond just our relationships with one another. It's, it's rooted in the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the reality of the Trinity, this perfect relationship that takes place within the Godhead. And, and, and we live that out as a demonstration of the gospel. And we're called to live generously. So... Um, let me show you again, this same word koinonia is used several other times in Scripture and, and 2 Corinthians and the book of Philippians to point to this idea of, of giving or sharing. So we share in life together, but we also share uh, needs together. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13, 2 Corinthians 9, 13 says this, that Paul is writing to the church in a city called Corinth, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorified God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and your liberal sharing with them and all men. Generous sharing. This word sharing is the word koinonia. 
It's the same word that, that is fellowship or, or, or this idea of community, gathering together. It also points to this idea of sharing in a need. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's saying, man, the, the believers, the church in Jerusalem is so grateful that you shared with them in their need, that you gave to help them in their need need. This idea of fellowship extends just beyond giving a hug on Sunday morning. It's deeper than that. It's this idea of sharing. So Paul writes, and it's the same word koinonia, sharing. Then in Philippians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul is once again writing. He's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's thanking them specifically for uh, for the sharing that they did with him, the, the gifts that they sent to him. In verse 14, it says, still you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. That word partnering is the word koinonia. It's this idea of sharing, partnering. It's more than just being together. It's this idea of really embracing each other and sharing life together, sharing community together, sharing even in needs together. Paul says, you shared with me in my distress. While he was going all around the world as a missionary, taking the gospel all over the world, churches like the church at Philippi shared with him in, in helping him to be able to accomplish the mission that God had given him. Then a, a few verses down in verse 17, he says this to them, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. He thanks them for this koinonia of sharing and physical needs, but he also says, look, it's not about what you gave. It's about the fact that you participated with me and, and there is profit for you in that. In other words, your sharing with me means you, you're sharing in what God is doing through my ministry. Verse 19, Paul says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. In Christ Jesus, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So once again, this idea of koinonia when it comes to sharing in a need, it's, it's this idea that, that the church was able to share with Paul to meet a need so that he could accomplish the mission that God had given him. And by sharing with him and his need, they also shared in all that God was doing through him. And then God met their needs. See, when we think about generosity, there's two parts to it. There's giving and there's receiving. And both are important parts of generosity. What if Paul had said, I don't need anything. I'm doing this myself, right? I'm, I'm, I'm building tents and I got everything I need. Don't y'all worry about sending me anything. You send it to some, some, somebody who needs it. I don't need it. Well, Paul could have had that kind of attitude and, and he probably could have met all of his own needs. I mean, he was a really capable guy. But God wants us to understand something. We need each other. Part of generosity is not only sharing, but also receiving. And Paul received from these believers in Philippi. And there's something humbling about receiving, right? I'm not a, like... Uh, I can have the attitude sometimes, no, 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 I don't need anything. You know, I'm the guy that'll fight you over the bill, right? <laughs> no, you're not paying for my lunch. I don't, you know, when I go to Publix and, and the old man asks me if he can push my cart, I'm like, come on, dude. I, do you, you think I need somebody to push my cart? 
And when we think about generosity, there's, there's something important about receiving, just as much as there is giving. And Paul received from the church at Philippi, and, and through receiving, they were blessed. They were encouraged. They were a part of this bigger mission in the world. And Paul says, look, you guys did well to share with me. And it's not about what you gave me. God used it to help me, but it's also about how God strengthened and, and how he grew you through that. And look, look what God has accomplished through your gift. And anyway, God's got all that you need and he will supply you according to his riches and glory. And the fellowship of God and his church, our giving leads to our sharing in the work that God is doing. It's not just about meeting a need, it's, it's about being a part of this big story that God is telling. That's this idea of koinonia. It's not just giving, it's sharing. It's partaking in the big story that God is telling. It's bigger than you and it's bigger than me. It's bigger than, than, than the missionaries that we might give to. It's the story that God is telling and we get to be a part of it through this idea of koinonia, fellowship, partaking, sharing, participating. Um, I, I heard a pastor, actually, uh, Josh Zuniga is, is from Freeway Ministries. John Stroop is the guy who started Freeway Ministries. I heard him preach a message talk th through this passage right here in, in Philippians chapter four. And, and he said, what if you had, you know, you had bought Apple stock when, when it first came on the market or Starbucks or Home Depot or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the greatest, I don't have any stock, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, whatever, whatever Bitcoin, right? What if you had got in at the very beginning? Like, how much would that be worth now? And he said, what if you had been able to be one of the people who got to support Paul in his early ministry? Like, what if you got to be somebody who, who, who gave Paul the money that allowed him to get on the ship to go to Asia Minor, to take the gospel on his very first missionary trip? What if you were the guy who said, Paul, I just want to pay for your travel fare. I just want to bless you with that. How incredible would that be? That you would get to partake in, share in all that God did through the Apostle Paul. What if? What if you got to be a part of that? And that's this idea of koinonia. It's not just that we're going to get some needs to, to, so these missionaries and church planters can have some stuff. It's about sharing in all that God is doing through them and through his gospel and his mission in the world. And, and our generosity is just a little part of the big story that God is telling, but it is a part of the big story that God is telling. And so we want to pray first. We want to grow biblically. We want to embrace community, but it's much deeper than just being friends and buddies. It's this idea of sharing and participating together that, that leads to living generously as we participate and we share together. Corey talked to you about faith, promise, missions, giving. It's how we participate in the missions, gospel, global work that God is doing. I hope you'll pray about how you can participate in faith, promise, missions, giving as we live generously together. Then these last two points I'm going to go through kind of quick today. Acts 2.47 ends like this. 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So this early church in Acts, they, they prayed and, and they grew uh, through biblical teaching. They participated in each other's lives by embracing community and they lived generously by participating in God's mission in the world, but also by helping each other living out the gospel in that way. Verse 47 says, as they lived that way, they were just living these lives of praise. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Here's the fifth principle. We have to glorify God. We have to glorify God. So all of, all of these ideas that we're talking about, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not even about our church in this neighborhood. It's about God. It's about his mission in the world. It's about the story that he's telling. It's about his grand plan to redeem a people for himself. And we get to participate in it. And when we do, God is glorified. But I, I want to go further because sometimes um, these, these last two principles, um, when we think about glorifying God, sometimes we think, okay, well, if I just live a life that glorifies God, that's good. And that is good. But I also want to propose that glorifying God also means opening up your mouth. Sometimes uh, we just want to live our lives in a way that, that, that point to something different in our lives. And that's wonderful. But at some point, you got to open up your mouth and say, it's not about me, it's about God. And so as a church, I want us to be a glorifying God kind of church. And so I, I want everybody to practice something with me real quick, okay? So I, I want you to say, praise God. One, two, three. Praise Good. God. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. Praise, praise God. God. So this is two words, and it's a really easy thing to say um, when you're having a conversation with somebody. Um, s some of y'all will, will say nice things to me and... Um, and I try to always say praise God. It's a habit. Um, it's a habit that I've developed in my life because it reminds me that it's not about me. It's about God. Uh, and I try to say it not just at church. I, I try to say it when I'm talking to my neighbor and they tell me about something good that happened. I say, oh, praise God. That's awesome. It's, it's just an easy little habit that we can learn and develop and grow in that helps us to glorify God. Praise God. Everybody say praise God. One, two, three. Praise God. Let's be the kind of people that say praise God. Have you ever met those people? You say, how you doing? They say, oh, I'm blessed. I love it when people tell me that. Like, I mean, it's a little bit weird. But what's wrong with that? Right? I, I, you know, we're called to be a peculiar people. And, and sometimes we think, uh, it, if we just be like cool Christians, then people are going to want to know what we're about. But like, they don't want to know what we're about. <laughs> like, there's got to be something different besides just like we're the nice guy. We got to live a life that demands an answer. And then when it's time to give an answer, we got to give it. We got to open up our mouth and speak. That's what Peter says. He says, live your life in such a way that demands an answer. That, that implies that we're going to answer the question when it comes. And sometimes we don't have to wait for the question. Like if God opens up an opportunity for you to share, then, then you need to do it. 
We need to glorify God. We need to find ways and, and rhythms and habits in our life that allow us to declare God's goodness and faithfulness as often as we can. I mean, if you talk about something good that happened at work with somebody, say, man, God has been so faithful to me. Yeah, but they're not a believer. I, I know. But they need to know that you are. So tell them that God is faithful. And say, praise God. And say, man, I'm so grateful that the Lord blessed me with, with these four kids most of the time. <laughs> you know, like, like, talk about, yeah, talk about what God is doing in your life. But it, hey, it takes, like, you got to train yourself to do that. Because you don't just naturally do it. You, you know, um, so glorify God. These people glorified God. They met together at the temple. And they were living this radical kind of Christian life that got them thrown in prison and got them stoned with rocks, like literally stoned. <laughs> I said it out loud and I thought, I need to finish that. Killed, martyred, <laughs> right? They lived a life that declared God's glory, but they also declared God's glory with their mouth. They were the kind of people who couldn't shut up about what God was doing. I've talked to some of y'all, and you, there's a lot of things that some of y'all can't shut up about. I mean, y'all tell me about all kinds of stuff, and that some of it's great, and some of it's great to you. <laughs> Just kidding. The point is this. There's things that we talk about. Like develop the habit of talking about God's goodness in your life. And the last thing is this. Share the gospel. Every day, every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Every day, people were coming to faith. Because these people prayed. And they were growing biblically. They were embracing community and sharing life together. They were living generously. They were glorifying God and they were sharing the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, how will people hear unless someone tells them? I, I, heard, a, I heard a pastor say one time, lifestyle evangelism is great as long as it leads to real evangelism. <laughs> like, it's good to live a good life that demands an answer and that causes people to ask questions, but eventually you got to talk. And so a couple weeks ago, I, I used this quote, at the end of the day, the greatest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. And so this week, somebody asked me about that and said, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean that, that Christians are the enemy of evangelism? I said, it's not Christians, it's, it's Christians who don't share their faith. Like, the gospel must be proclaimed. That's God's design, and so we've got to be the proclaimers of the gospel. And so, sharing the gospel, it, it requires opening up our mouth. And that doesn't mean, I, you know, that you need to go be a street corner preacher. Unless that's what God calls you to do, then you ought to do it. But it means in your everyday conversations, you need to 
you need to praise God in a way. You, you need to talk about what God is doing in your life. And, and man, when you have the chance, you just need to say, hey, tell me about what's going on in your life. Tell me about where you're at spiritually. And it's a discipline and it takes work and it takes practice. But God uses it. And even if you don't know what to say, God will work through your obedience. God uses imperfect people. And that means imperfect people. We think we got to get it all together and be all polished. And we read the Gospels and we see that God used these imperfect people. And we go, yeah, but that was different. It's not different. He just is calling you to be obedient. So every Friday, you know, we've got a team of people that goes out with little sack lunches and goes all over 436 and prays with people and shares the gospel. And Miss Lucy Santiago is sitting back here somewhere and Miss Lucy, she's an evangelist. And she just opens up her mouth and she starts speaking. And these grown men are crying, talking to Miss Lucy because she's sharing the gospel. And we gotta be about that. We gotta open up our mouth and speak. So, when we think about the mission that God has given us as a people and as a church in this neighborhood. We are called to be people empowered by the Spirit who make a difference through the gospel in our community and around the world for the glory of God. And we do that by praying first. So next Sunday night, prayer service at six o'clock. So we kick off Missions Week. We're gonna do it through prayer. I hope you'll be here it, it's an hour long. We have stuff for the little kids, like four and under. There's somewhere for them to go, but the, your, the other kids, bring them in the service, and they're going to run around, and they're going to wiggle, and they're going to, you know, they're going to make you uncomfortable, but that's okay, because my, my kids are going to be here, and they're going to be doing that too, and if, you know, you can just, well, the pastor's kids are doing it, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> it is okay. They ought to see you here praying with God's people. So we're gonna to come together next Sunday night, six o'clock, we're gonna pray. It's gonna be right back here in the youth room, in the alive room. Come pray with us. These people, they prayed. They lived lives of prayer. They were dedicated to growing biblically. They lived together in community. They embraced community, this idea of sharing in the big story that God was telling. And then they they gave generously. Some of them sold possessions to be able to give to what God was doing. They glorified God and they shared the gospel. That's what we talked about in the first week. We gotta be people that share the gospel. And so this morning as we wrap up, um, Let's be the kind of church that lives out our faith in this way. It's what God uses. There's a lot of good things we could do. But man, when we are living out these principles, God uses that to transform communities, to transform us even as we live out our faith and obedience. God, we love you. We thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that your word is sufficient for us. It is effective. It is powerful. 
It corrects us. It straightens us out. Straightens us out. It encourages us. So Lord, I, I pray that you would challenge us to, to live out our faith in real and meaningful ways. You would help us to open up our mouth and speak of your goodness and of your gospel. God, use us to make a difference through your gospel in this community and around the world. This morning, uh, just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a minute. I, I just want to ask this question. I, I talked a lot about the gospel this morning, but let me just be really clear what that means. The Bible says that we're all sinners. That means uh, that there are things in our life that separate us from God. Sin is, is living uh, selfishly. It's living for our own priorities at the expense of others. And by that standard, I think we could all say, yeah, I see that in my own life. It's not just the really big things. It's the little everyday things. It's the attitudes of our heart. It's the way we talk about other people. It's our own selfishness and pride. And those things separate us from God because God is perfect and holy and just. The penalty for that sin is death, physical death, but also spiritual death, separation from God eternally in a place the Bible calls hell. But God made a way for us to be restored, to be brought back into relationship with him. And that way was through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And by Jesus' death, he paid the penalty that we rightly deserved. And he rose again from the grave on the third day and he conquered death and sin. And when we put our faith in him and on what he did for us on the cross and by raising from the grave, we can be saved. We can be called the sons and daughters of God. So this morning, just ask the question, is there anybody who would say, I I've never received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I've never called on Jesus for salvation the way you're describing this morning. But I would be, I would like to do that. I would like to be saved. If there's anybody like that, I, I would just ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning. Anybody like that at all? All right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, church, I, I just want to, we're going to take 60 seconds right now, and I, I just want to ask you to pray talked about these principles of living generously, glorifying God, and sharing the gospel. So I just want you to take 60 seconds right where you're at, and I, I want you to pray this week that God would help you to live generously, to glorify Him, and to share the gospel. And just pray specifically that God would use you this week in those areas. I'm going to give you 60 seconds, and then we'll wrap up our time together. So God, we ask that you would use us, help us to be a people of prayer, people dedicated to 
growing in our knowledge and understanding of who you are through your word and through your church. God, that you would help us to embrace community, sharing our lives together, but also sharing our resources for your kingdom purposes, living generously. God, let us be a people that glorify you, that praise you, that open up our mouth to declare your goodness and who you are. God, a people who declare your gospel, your good news of salvation. And God, give us boldness to open up our mouth to proclaim your gospel. Thank you for this time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.